let's dive in, but I do want to set the scene. The fashion was bad. The music was worse. (laughs) Welcome to Love in Brief, a brief ABDL podcast focused on issues of love. Yeah. Love for community. Oh, you waited for me to affirm that? (laughs) It is, in fact, all of those things. Am I correct? (laughs) You're on the right podcast. Love for self. Yeah. Love for others. Mm -hmm. Love for your community. Yeah. Love for your puppers. Sure. And especially today, love for the history of your kinks. Right. For its awesome, awesome stories. Look, if you didn't listen to the last episode. Stop now. Shame on. No. Go back. No shame. But go back. Because we're in the middle of a history lesson from one of the community members who saw a lot of that history. Yes. And he... On top of that is an excellent storyteller, and it's right. It's going to be a fun time listening. Right? Yeah. I so we you know we're lucky enough that we get emails and and notes on Facebook and and Twitter, uh, not Twitter, Instagram. We don't have a Twitter. <laughs> I was say, yeah. Are you tweeting with No, I know. I'm not secretly <laughs> running a Twitter account. Um, and we get notes on on Facebook and Instagram that are really nice about about the episodes that we put out. But this one, holy moly, I, back it yes. up. There was a whole bunch of notes. Yes. And all of them were like, go on, say more. They were like, what tell your next? guests to write a book. Yeah. Tell us the title. Yeah. We'll buy it. <laughs> and as we discussed on the last episode, uh, he could even just dictate a book and you could write a book. And I could write it. That would be just fine. I'm pretty fast at typing. So this is where we pick up with part two of the earlier days of ABDL. Here's why we didn't call it the early days of ABDL. Because my bet, based on what I know of how kinks and fetishes and paraphilias, etc., work, is that... I bet it's been around for as long yeah. as long as people have at one time been babies. Well, since we started seeing children as not just like shorter adults, probably. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe. Well, that's forever. Well, <laughs> right. I don't so, know. Like in the medieval times, didn't they think of children as like oh, when they did? Yes, yeah, so it was sort yeah. of Victorian era where it, where it, after post Victorian it started to change. But um, the point is, is that I think it's ABDL has. I'm guessing in one form or another, without that name. Has every sexual proclivity? Yeah, has been around forever. Every, if it exists, somebody likes every it in that area way. of of comfort seeking has been around since comfort and distress have been invented. So my guess is the early days of ABDL are the early days of humanity in one form right. or another, right? Mm-hmm. But the earlier days of ABDL that we're going to look at today are a magnificent time in history known as my childhood slash young adulthood slash. Uh, R&T's favorite period for fashion. Nope. What? Nope. You didn't like nope. the outfits in the 90s? No. Welcome to the era of anti-fashion. That is... What? A horrible... Yes. That's literally what it's called. Oh, it's called anti-fashion? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty intense. I mean, they were... The shirts were baggy. The pants were also baggy. Yeah, but we moved on from the shoulder pads and weird triangle angles of clothes and... But one Those could say, slatted sunglasses that never made any sense. One could say we moved on, but no one would say we moved up. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, we're now entering a world called the 90s. So picture uh, a young R.Y. around age 10 or 11 as we crest into 1990. You've got R.N.T. who is at this point uh, barely a glimmer in her family's eye. I was like one and yeah. changed. Okay, so you were out in the world. Yeah, I was a lot. I was walking, I was talking, I was running my own business at this point. Okay. And then we introduce you to somebody who has actually been around the community a while at this point. And this is our guest, Diapered Kent. And welcoming back for part two, Diapered Kent, how have you been since our last discussion? 
I have been very, very good. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And I hope that you have gotten the positive and warm responses to the episode that we have gotten that even honestly had made us even more excited to get into a part two. I have. I have. I've loved hearing from old friends and new friends, and uh, it's been very reassuring. That's awesome. <laughs> have there been any updates and ch- or changes in your love since we last spoke? That's right. Yeah, we talked about love for the about, community last time. Yeah. Well, and I said I love the community, and now I love it even more. Aww, <laughs> Good. That's take so that. sweet. So I want to pick up... Um, at the turn of the the digital age, so to speak. Now, nobody can be exactly sure when to pinpoint the moment the internet was invented, right? Because it sort of spread out over time, but certainly it revolutionized everything in the greater sphere, but in, in our um, community as well. And I wonder if you remember what your first digital interactions regarding ABDL were and where they happened. Mine happened at home when we got a computer, finally, in the late 90s. So we were very late. People were already online. Um, And I was hearing such amazing things that you could just sort of type something in and all sorts of information would pop up in front of your face, in front of your eyes. And uh, it's crazy. and, and, And I couldn't I wanted to believe it but I couldn't quite believe it until I did it myself and I we got a computer bought a computer finally in the late 90s so that was kind of late and um people were starting to buy personal computers in the early uh, in the, like 83 84 a few people so uh it was astounding uh did you were you able to reconnect with some of the people who you used to write letters with and who you used to kind of meet up with um occasionally on when once you got a computer? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was it was uh out the window went the stamps and the envelopes and the and the letters and the stationery and all that sort of thing and suddenly we could we could communicate so easily and so quickly. So it was a whole new ball game and uh I, as I said, I think last week, I think I said to you, um, I don't know what I would ha- have done had I had the computer when I was in high school or college or <laughs> even middle school. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have, I don't know, I would have just been glued to it. Yeah, I, I think I was. Do you remember those sites that sprung up early on regarding ABDL stuff? I remember when when DPF went online in 1996 um, with www.dpf.com, yeah, and it was a big big deal, and it was it was it it changed the that whole organization totally, but possibly not for the better in in some respects. Uh, but we I don't know that we can really blame it blame it on the computer. Sure. Yeah. But I think the computer has really changed the way we we uh, deal with people in the community and all. So I wonder if you could say more. So we, we referenced DPF sort of as an aside in the last episode, but uh, the Diaper Pail Friends, I believe, was the, the acronym yeah, for DPF. Um, mm-hmm. And tell me, what was it and why did it matter in the in the early days of online ABDL world? Um, it, it mattered because we had nothing else. And if you, if you look it up now, it's uh, you'll find uh, diesel partial filters if you look up DPF. 
Oh, that's good so, to know. I, so I don't need to invest any money. Diesel partial in filter, DPM. whatever those are. Unless you're looking for a diesel partial official. filter. That's, I, so, I feel worse for the people who got in looking for diesel partial filters ooh. and found uh, the other one. I know. So it's um, it it was we you know before that we we have we talked about before we really were just a bunch of people writing and and, and purchasing publications books. Uh, but but we had the one major organization, and it really did become the spokes, the spokes, the ch- the channel for the community, really for the international community, because I was able to meet people in England and France and all over the world once that got going. So, and for twenty three years, it was. An amazing organization until it wasn't. So uh, you, you talked about meeting people all over the world. Did you find that your um, your relationships were very different once you were able to email back and forth really quickly? Did, did they evolve quicker or did they have less significance because it was so easy to chat? I think it did. I, I think... I think um, I, I yes and no because I had wonderful wonderful friends online, uh, but I kept the people that I had known before the computer. And we we stayed friends, and we still are friends. I have so many of them that are still around. Thank goodness. I met one person. I went to London in the very early days and met him. And uh, he he picked me up at my hotel in a big big limousine and uh, took me to his home, which was this gigantic townhouse. And the entire top floor was this big 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 nursery. And the whole it had every kind of equipment. And this was very early. You're describing a, like a fantasy. This fantasy. sounds like a book. And uh, he he told me that by by getting a copy of of DPF from someone, he saw my my uh, ad, my little listing, as well as lots of other people's, and contacted me. And so we met. And he said he had not been able to meet anyone else. In England, and there was, and he felt that there was no organization in England, and anyone there had to depend on America, which was interesting to hear. I don't, I don't know. If, I'm just telling you what he said. I don't know if that's absolutely true or not. Maybe he didn't work hard enough to meet other people. But um, and then I met people in France, and I met uh, some people in. Uh, well, nowhere else that I meet anybody, but I talk to people. Uh, I kind of want to know how this townhouse story ends. I don't know if it's an aside, but that sounds like the beginning of a, a British version of Shades of Grey or something, you know, where it's like this person whisks you away in a limo to a giant mansion. Did it end well? Oh, yes. I was amazed at all of his equipment and and stuffed animals and cribs Aww. and I, I said dude do you really need more than one crib what do you do have <laughs> <laughs> how many babies do you have here yeah anyway and uh, he um and he was only in his early 30s he was about 31 years old amazing and he had, i obviously had done quite well <laughs> yeah good good on both of you uh, well, it sounds see, like it was a good experience it was a very very positive and good experience because good. this was just a small part of his life but it was amazing what yeah. he had done it was a third and of I, his house but a small part yeah. of his life yeah. yeah and in france and, i mean you were traveling internationally to meet folks well, uh, yeah, I think in, to go back a bit, in, in, in 1973, I, 74, I think it was 73, it doesn't matter. Uh, I went to about 
seven countries in Europe looking looking for going through adult bookstores, which I normally would never do if you knew me, but I did to see if I could find anything about our interest. And I, I really was quite good about research and, uh, did you ever find nothing? No. Any of those countries. I, 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 I didn't find the best thing I found. And that was much, much later was in Paris. There was a, a department store called Samaritan, which, uh, had the largest display of plastic pants I have ever seen in my life. It was a whole department just of plastic pants. Really? And I couldn't quite understand why. (laughs) Was it a medical (laughs) supply store or something? No, it was just part of their underwear department. (laughs) And then I went back I went back a couple of years later and it was gone. (laughs) That's one of those things that you're like, was it a fever dream? Was it a ghost store? Did it ever really exist? Yeah. It was just wonderful to see. Yeah. (laughs) It's a strange thing. It's funny, plastic pants, I can sort of, don't mean as much anymore, but they did in the beginning because we had to have them for cloth diapers. Now... With disposables, people don't have to have them necessarily or don't have to have them at all. So they're not as interesting to many, many younger people. Now we get to have them. Oh, yeah. And I would say as someone who started off loving diapers before I could afford anything other than something that would hold for 15 minutes, plastic pants were still very much an important part of my experience because I I couldn't afford. I'm glad to hear that. Cloth diapers and cheap diapers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're very helpful for both. Yeah. On top of um, the international travel and the um, international communication and being able to communicate with your older friends more quickly, was there anything else that completely changed for you whenever you started exploring on the Internet? I think it was I think it made it more comfortable for women to to introduce themselves on the Internet than it was when they had to go to a meeting or to a party or something where they weren't quite sure what they would find. But on the Internet, I think they could be a little more anonymous, maybe. And so I think we started gathering more women into the neighborhood, I hope. You know, that's something that I've I've had echoed to me by other women in the community is that um, even if they weren't around in the days pre-Internet, that they've said, you know, they always explore heavy on the internet first and sometimes even create sort of lurker accounts for Mm -hmm. years just to make sure that if they are to attend something in person, that they're feeling really confident about the people that they're going to meet there in a way that maybe some men don't, don't, uh, have that level of, of, uh, (laughs) pre exploration. Mm -hmm. It's true. I would say as, as a, um, as a woman who has done this very thing, um, I don't think I created lurker accounts, but I definitely did do a lot of deep, deep dive research on people before I met them. I will also say women that I know, myself included, tend to use it as sort of a um, a, che- a way to check on someone. So you can go on anyone's profile and find the five people who look like they know that person well and contact them and say, is is this safe oh. or is that, is this person suffering from something I should know about or. Yeah. Or are they so, dangerous to you yeah, for some so reason? So you have access to all kinds of resources, including personal, mm-hmm. you know, friends. Yeah. 
And if you and if you feel that someone is contacting you who is not of legal age, um, it's I, I have I don't think I've ever had anybody contact me. But if I did, I think I would hope I could tell that the person was was not telling me the truth about his age or her age, and I would dig a little deeper so that I could say, you know, you better stop talking to someone my age. I'm, this is inappropriate, you know. Uh, but so the internet is handy there. Right. Whereas you couldn't, if they were just mailing you a letter or maybe talking to you on the phone, you couldn't tell. Yeah. And, and I do wonder if, um, if it's easier or harder now because people can make 40 different accounts, but at the same time you can triangulate them, right? You can ask around in a way that is probably faster than you could before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I can see exactly. the value there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you mentioned, and I think it's, it's worth a chapter. If we were writing a little book here about the history of ABDL, um, it's worth a chapter or a sub chapter on DPF. You said it was a really, it was sort of the original online gathering place that it did wonders for growing the community. It was kind of the only big digital hub. And that's when I discovered the internet of ABDL was when DPF was, I think it was sort of in its, uh, mid days, but then you mentioned that, you know, it was good until it wasn't. And I'm wondering, you know, obviously with whatever level you're comfortable, but what was the part that was good and what was the part that wasn't? Well, the part that was good was the newsletter, which contained so much. I mean, it started out as four pages and we started out as 26 members, I think, of the original. And in the end, there were over 5,000 different people who joined the the organization. And... uh, it went to so many different countries in the end, and uh, it it really was sort of a clearinghouse. And and the or the person who organized it, I will use his name Tommy because everybody knows Tommy, uh, did his best. But toward the end, it for many reasons it kind of fell apart, and uh, that was unfortunate. But perhaps it had a shelf life, and it was over, and it should have been over, maybe. And 20, 23 or four years is a long time for an organization, maybe. Uh, but, it, but it was, you know, you, you would four times a year or sometimes seven, but usually four times a year you would receive this thick newsletter and you would sit there and you would go through it to see if you could find anyone in the back, because that's where all the listings were, who was near you or near neighborhood, not near your neighborhood, but in your you know, within driving distance, or you could visit, or you, or people, or you could even call the person up and say hello. And it was just such an exciting event when that happened, because you would meet new people. And if someone wanted to meet new people over the phone, then that person would put his or her phone number in the listing. And I suppose if you didn't, you wouldn't. Uh, but th- that's what was because before that it was kind of hit and miss. You know, you could answer an ad here or there, uh, but you didn't see that many people all at once. And you did with DPF when it started, and uh, and and it had so, so many parts to it. Um, you know, the, the letters, the letters were the backbone because Tommy from the beginning said, if you don't give us something, you don't get anything back. You have to contribute something. So people would write letters and send pictures of themselves. And uh, there were lots of those. And then later on, they were all published. There were movies, there were videos, there were hypnotic videos. There were uh, 
a thousand things. He was very inventive and he had a great, a great imagination uh, for thinking of different ways to go out into the community. And at the end, he wanted to make it a worldwide organization and that kind of failed because uh, he planned all these big parties in the 90s and then they were all, po every one of them was postponed or canceled uh, for various reasons. And uh, that it, it was unfortunate. And uh, and the last big party was in 1990. And that was quite good. We had a wonderful time and quite a lot of people there. And uh, and then toward the, talked about the negative, toward the end of the club, Evidently, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because they felt that older people were going on to it and disguising themselves as teenagers. And you can understand how bad that was. That was one of the things that possibly sort of ended the club's reputation and all. And also there was a problem with orders not going out. And Tommy evidently a friend, a friend, a good friend of mine. I don't know if you know Angela there, but she's one of the icons of the whole movement. And she realized about 2006, she tried to reach Tommy, and his partner told uh, her that, or told her husband that uh, he was losing his memory, and therefore the club was in, hadn't been in existence for a year or so, and. Uh, and that was kind of the end of the whole thing. But while it was strong, it was very strong and had changed many, many people's lives. And it was extremely important to many, many people. So yeah. It was 5,000 members. Wow. And it, it sort of laid the groundwork for other groups and like to, to start doing what they did. So we have mm -hmm. so many social media and like kinky websites now that we can use. Exactly. And then our groups moved online. And in the late 90s, uh, it was announced that 65% of the people who were members were now getting everything online, not in paper form. And possibly because the, the price of, of being a member went from $3 in the beginning, $3 a year to $50. So it was a lot more. Well, that's a big difference. And for the United States and Canada and 66 for the rest of the world. So it was uh, too much money for some people to pay or they didn't want to pay that much. So, But they went online and they only have to pay $30, I think. Oh, that's a pretty good deal. Actually, yes. it, if you translate to today's dollars, that's $45,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it's a terrible deal. No, no, it was a good deal. <laughs> so I have a question for both of you because I think that this is where um, you start coming into the Internet too, right, R.Y.? Yeah. So what came after DPF? Like what popped up next? Because whenever I got on, there was at least six or seven oh, that, that I could look through. Well, I'd be curious, Kent, for you to go first, and then I'll see if I can fill in any gaps perhaps. Well, for me, the next – there was one other little online club sort of, a listing club, a thing you could list on, and what that's called. Uh, I'm not sure what it was, but then it came a something called aby.com. Yeah, aby.com. Yeah, ABY, yeah. Which I thought was excellent. I really, really enjoyed that and met a lot of people there. And yeah. then that sort of ended, and now we sort of have – they have, we have lots of things, but FetLife is the one that I use now. Yeah, I I found a couple of spots sort of in the middle. I remember ABY for sure. Um, 
I remember the very tail end of DPF. There was a site that um, was, I think, quite a bit less reputable than DPF at its prime uh, called Deekers. Oh, yeah. And they um, they were – this is – I've told the story before about how you know I, I got into the community and immediately wanted to get out because I was afraid that there was an overlap into abuse. Mm-hmm. And it was because of sites like Deekers um, where they, they unabashedly talked about teenagers and boys and um, – in a way that was absolutely inappropriate. And um, that one freaked me out. But it was kind of the only thing. So I couldn't find the healthy community. I just found that one. And that's. I wonder who that person was. Oh, well. I, still, I haven't. I don't I have no know. Idea. Did, did, you, did you join it? Or no, did no. You, I mean, it was. It? Yeah, it was. It, it freaked idea. me out. Um, because I, you know, I wasn't terribly older myself, right? At the time, I was just of age, and so to see this discussion, I felt like, oh God, I have to bail because I don't want to become this person, and I'm afraid if I if I hang out long enough, I will. Uh, but but I I kind of bolted, and and from that period until age thirty, I didn't engage the community because I thought that's what the community was, and thank heavens, somewhere along the way. There were other folks working really hard to get some of the other sites up. I remember um, it was an English site called Wet Set that is still in existence, I think. Really? Yep. That had, it was like largely Omarashi stuff, but there was uh, some chunk of ABDL stuff on there. There was a site called ByteMine, B-Y-T-E-M-I-N-E, that was kind of an early days uh, picture site. Um, there were some early stars, if you will, that were publishing content before there was social media. So this was before Facebook and its ilk were invented. So you couldn't just friend people and see their stuff. Somebody had to dis- you know, decide to upload a bunch of pictures and then you had to go find them. And I remember those being passed around quite a lot. Mm-hmm. There, there was a French or it was an English language magazine called Couché that was with a French name. Yeah, Couché. I assume that's the French diaper. word for diaper, yeah. yeah. Um, well, yes. Yeah, it is. Okay, yes. yeah. But I was going to say, unless you're saying Couché, which just means to sleep. Oh, no, no. Uh, although, Kent, I guess, having been in and played ABDL stuff in France, you probably encountered that word more than I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And before that club, there was a one called the Wet Boys Club. Yes, that's well, right. I don't, I don't know where the wet girls went to join. Yeah. Where were they? <laughs> it was called the Wet Boys Club. I don't know <laughs> how how popular it became, but I someone sent me a little book about it once. Hmm. It's all in French, of course, so mm-hmm. I had to have somebody else read it to me. Like, it's anyway, interesting though because you've mentioned a handful of women that you encountered over the years. Yeah. There was the entrepreneur we talked about in episode mm-hmm. one. There was Angela in in this episode, who was certainly sort of a content pioneer as far as women in ABDL. So it's not like they weren't there, but. Something about the de- democratization of access that the internet brought seems to have brought a lot more women, right. a lot more, and actually I'll say a lot more people of many genders into the fold. We've seen not not just more trans women and trans men, but we've seen more non-binary folks who have entered the fold in recent years, and uh, I just am so grateful for that. Absolutely. In 1993... Uh, Toward, uh, before the, they went on the computer, uh, Tommy asked 
the readers and the members to uh, complain about what was wrong with the club. And the number one, the number one complaint was that there weren't enough women, as though somehow Tommy could manufacture women. Uh, <laughs> but um, there was, they already had a mommy solution, which was a part of a program trying for men, um, usually men to try to find mommies, although a woman could try to find a mommy too. Uh, but then they started the daddy solution for uh, possibly women who wanted to find daddies and or men who wanted to find daddies. Uh, I don't know how successful that was or if anybody actually found one, but they were trying to... Then that's also the reason they changed the name of the club from Diaper Pale Fraternity and to Diaper Pale Friends because they felt that fraternity, you know, was just men. I didn't realize so, that originally stood for fraternity. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, it's it's uh, interesting. Interesting. Somebody somewhere <laughs> needs to know this. KFC. Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm sure there's somebody who wasn't around before it was called KFC. What? Yeah. No, they shouldn't I, yeah, be listening let, to this podcast. Letting the cat out of the bag. Oh, Geico, Government Insurance or Government mm-hmm. Employee Insurance Corporation. In case you're wondering. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Kids, if you were not around before it was called Kentucky Fried Chicken, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, you're up too late. <laughs> well, and then we I experienced in Kent, I don't know if you got involved with this, but pre-FetLife or maybe concurrently with FetLife, there was um a social media effort called Diaper Space that was supposed to be like MySpace. And if you're shaking your head going, what's MySpace? Um, it was... Are you still talking to the children again? Yes. Stop including them. They need to go to sleep. Yeah, I think there are people over 18 who don't know what MySpace is. It was, um, it was a social network that was sort of Facebook, but a little bit more easy to access. It wasn't as limited to organizations. At one point, Facebook was only uh, intra-college, right? So you had to be in a given university to use it. MySpace was sort of the first, that I can remember, first huge social network. And DiaperSpace was meant to be sort of a copy of that Mm -hmm. for ABDLs. So again, did folks have lots of fake accounts and say all sorts of creepy things on diaper space? You bet, because uh-huh. it's the internet. But also, I know couples that met and have been in 20-year relationships who met on diaper space. So, you know, oh, you, you take wonderful. the good with the bad. Yeah. Um, Did you have any experience with that site, Kit? I, I've heard of it. Uh no experience, no. Yeah. Oh, but I did hear about it. And then mm-hmm. FetLife for us changed the game. And uh, you know, not only did we meet through friends on FetLife, but I got involved in the community on FetLife for the very first time through a group, group called uh, Young ABDLs and Age Players that uh, some friends, some now friends of mine ran uh, that's still there. And that's it's through those friends that R&T and I met, um, you know, when we first attended an event together, it was largely FetLife folks. I'm curious, what role did FetLife have for you in your journey through the community? A gigantic impact for me because uh, it it covered lots of things that I'm interested in other than just the ABDL community, some of the other things as well, because it's, it's, it's so inclusive with BDSM, blah, 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 and lots of other fetishes and interests, which you can look at and, and, and explore even if you don't want to do them or and be involved in them physically. Uh, so that's it's kind of a big, 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 big organization, a real umbrella. So it's, it's 
good. Yeah. And a lot of people who are not particularly interested in ABDL uh, have talked to me and said, what is it? What do you do? And, and, and so they've somehow discovered discovered that they like it and love it and want to do more of it, which is fine. I used to have a hard time with that because for me, it was always in my DNA. I was doing it when I was five years old by myself, I should add. Um, and um, so for I, it was hard for me to understand how people could just sort of try it and love it. But now I do. I do. There's all kinds of people and all kinds of everybody's different. That's the big thing I've learned in this whole thing is that everybody's a little different. Absolutely. And, uh, and we're all, we have common goals and uh, that's why we call it a community because it's, uh, we have like minds and we're somewhat unified, not totally, but somewhat unified. And we have this common interest, but other people can acquire it. <laughs> I have to, because, and I can understand that now. Did you find any new things on FetLife that you were like, oh, I didn't know I liked that? Um. I've, I've found people who um, um, are in, have combined, like I have one lovely friend who combines smoking and, and diapers, which is quite interesting. I would, I would never connect the two yeah. personally, but um, it, 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 you could sort of, in your own mind and your own fantasies, connect almost anything with anything else. I'm sure you've done the same thing. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and and and, and there's so many other little interests that that are, are part of ABDL um, for most of us. Uh, you know, just um, furniture. I mean, building building things. Uh, it's amazing how many people now have nurseries. Or some nursery-related, you know, items in their home. When you know, I remember years and years and years ago, nobody had anything much, and and I bought my crib, my my crib from a a highway patrolman, of course. Who else would you buy one from? Oh, of well, course, yeah, that's of first stop for all of us. Sure. And uh, he, his whole bedroom, his wife made him move into another bedroom with his stuff. And everything was pink, I remember. Pink, 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 pink. Wow. Very, very pink. And he took I his like diapers. <laughs> he took his diapers and he dyed them all pink. Oh wow. <laughs> That's dedication. And he yeah. would wear them, he wore them under his uniform every day. And he was oh, a wonderful, wow. wonderful People man. interesting wonderful lives. Young man. Yeah, quite a young man. And uh, by the time by the nineties, when we had the computer, I had moved into another house in another city and I had a spare room, so I turned it into a nursery. And that's something that's, I think, changed for a lot of people because people now see that they could do that if they have enough rooms, yeah. uh, that they could have a nursery. And that was kind of unheard of back in the, I think, maybe the 80s or the 70s. So I think that's one of the things that's really quite popular now. Yeah. And there's something about the internet that sort of makes everything almost like a dream board. Everything is available to you. You see... So-and-so has it. Oh, that looks kind of like the size of my house. I bet I could do that. And then you find 10 people who are just like 
woodworkers who are also ABDLs and they make the furniture. Whereas your, your friend in England was the only person you knew at the time with such an extensive collection. Now anyone could really have it. It's wonderful to imagine that that person in England who had shared this with nobody in their life, save maybe for the handful of people who helped make the furniture that they had to sneak in under cover of night, you know, that sort of thing, uh, that that person today could openly correspond and choose from a half dozen suppliers and weigh their options and have it delivered to their home in a relatively you know, unmarked package. And I mean, just to save so much heartache. Heck, it sounds like he could have run a nursery. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Things have changed. That's, I think that's one of the, the, the interesting things about the internet is, and the fact that life is that we can, those people have little groups that they can all belong to people who make furniture and, and make clothing and and supply yeah. you know supply things to people. That's a that's that's another thing. I mean, I, I loved your podcast uh, from North Shore, from the that wonderful man from North Shore who was so articulate, and I listened to it twice. He was so good, and he's not even into this himself. But the you know the company has been a great resource, and there's so many companies out there. Um, as you know, I don't have to tell you that. Everybody knows there's so many companies and so many products. It's just an amazing to a person like me when we started with nothing. So, so there's so much good that has come with the advent of the internet and the last, I guess, God, 30 years now of just resources, just getting more and more and more and more available to everyone. Is there any, as someone who lived um, with the kink before the internet and someone who's now living with it with the internet, is there any downside to the way things have changed or the way things are now? The downside is that many of my close friends still um, today, um, well, I have many friends from both areas, so I can't really say that. I was going to say that I have closer friends from the earlier days, but that's just yeah. because we were younger. I think that's the reason it's a little difficult, but I, now I have such, I have met so many wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people like the two of you, but I've I, just really, really, really good, good, wonderful people um, on the internet and, and through fed life. And it, it, they're, I, I can't tell you how important they are to me in my life. And, and, some of them visit me. Some of them I visit, and and, uh, and and people who have accomplished so much in their lives. I mean, they're I, I celebrities and, and people and and people from all walks of life. It doesn't matter whether you have accomplished or you haven't. Just some really, really, really good, good, solid people. So that's it. It really is been and for so, us so too, nice for me. If it weren't for the internet. We wouldn't have met yeah. each other. We wouldn't have gotten interested necessarily in the same events. We wouldn't have yeah, met you. Exactly. Uh, in fact, we're having this conversation over the internet, yeah. so I'm going to call that a win. And we have obviously gotten to reach other people and hear their stories because of all of the wonderful connections. And we've 
you know, we've heard from people all around the world. I know even before the, the episode recording started, we chatted about people in, in Norway reaching out, people in Australia reaching out, people in England and France and Germany. My goodness, Germany. We get so many messages from, from Germany that it's like, I it's never... It's so exciting every time. It feels like getting a postcard. It does. I never, I don't think I ever could have reached those folks or, or, and especially made actual friends with folks who share this and are all in these amazing cultures. So I I have a great deal to thank. The world is so big. How would we have found each other? Right. That's kind of what it feels like. It's just nice to be able to like sort of peek across the internet and say, hello. Like I can see you. You're very far away, but I can see you. And at the same time, it does carry the hazards that we talked about. And so I'm glad that we got a chance to address those as well. Are there any other pivotal moments, Kent, that you want to share with us? We talked a lot about the the, the dawn of the internet and DPF and uh, FetLife. Are there any other sort of pivotal tools or moments in the history of ABDL as, as you've experienced it that you want to share with us? There's so many, so many pivotal points. I think well, another big one... Uh, um, I would say our parties, uh, conventions, groups, people actually getting together and enjoying each other. I've never been to Capcom, but I understand there are a lot of people there, a lot. And I've been to TeddyCon four times, and that's terrific. Also, there have, in the past, there have been so many other wonderful, wonderful get-togethers and parties by t- people who have gone be up, beyond and above and beyond to... Uh, bring people together and have uh, get-togethers. And uh, I could name lots of names, but if I did, I would leave people out. (laughs) I was the host of two parties at a rave club called Babyland uh, in New York City on Avenue A, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that place. It's long long gone. You're you're, you're way too young. And it was – the whole thing was – was uh, filled with baby furniture and they served all of the drinks in baby bottles and, and you could say it's a baby bottle of beer or wine or something harder because they had a liquor license uh you could buy chocolate pudding or little cookies or and oh you my would gosh, we sit missed and there were this? cribs all over the place and little toy cars you could ride around on and it was kind of cute and in the front it was a bakery <laughs> what that's so awesome. I mean, that was part of the club. Uh, the people, I guess, would go to the bakery and eat something else. I don't know. And so we had two parties there. Each one was about 35 to 40 people. And uh, the, the, the first one went off without a hitch. Everything was lovely. And uh, we had a great time. And then we had another one. By the time we had the second one, I'll just tell you this little story. Um, I called the night before, the day before, and said, we're coming tomorrow we're having our party in the afternoon like a saturday afternoon and the man said what are you talking about who are you i said well we're this baby organization diaper i don't know what i said and we're coming tomorrow we have about 40 people and he said we've we're the new owners of this place and we don't, we have no idea what you're talking about oh no <laughs> so oh. i tried to explain that we had had one party and we're going to have another party and he said well we're not doing anything tomorrow afternoon, so you can come and do it. And I said, he said, you know, we we were, the, the Board of Health told us we can no longer serve any drinks and baby bottles, so we have no baby bottles. We've done away with all that stuff. So we quickly, I called everybody I knew in New Jersey and said, do you have, how many baby bottles do you have? And I went we're driving around picking up baby bottles, and they went home and I sterilized them all and washed them and cleaned them and 
clean the nipples, my God. Hope I didn't kill anybody, and uh, <laughs> and then we we arrived with a big load of baby bottles and cookies and no pudding, but whatever, and uh, had our party. And in the meantime, the Village Voice, which was a popular newspaper at the time in New York City, had gotten wind of this, and they wanted to come interview people. Whoa! And I said, no, "This is private," and we. People would be freaked out if you came to interview us. Yeah. And so I had sure. my partner, my husband, he had to sit outside with a big stick <laughs> and and make sure that the press didn't get into our party. <laughs> and uh, it went off without a hitch. They oh, didn't show God. up. And everything was Oh, good, I but- was so worried that you're going to say the – I mean, A, the Village Voice wanting to interview is so cool. But B, the fact that you said no is even cooler. Yeah. Well, <laughs> In retrospect, it could have been fun, but we, I don't think we were ready for that at yeah. all. No, and it sounds like you were looking out for <laughs> yeah, your, out your, your friends. Yeah. yeah, It was the last party I sort of organized, and I said, oh, that does it. I'm, reti- I'm retiring from parties. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You can come see us, and we can hang out at Capcom, because I think it's about time for for you and us to come back out of our COVID shells. and we yes. can, we can We're not going to be at TeddyCon, unfortunately, this year, but, uh, but Cap for sure. Yeah. As soon as they're back up and running. And going to Capcom, by the way, is like when you described 5,000 people on DPF at its peak in this club. I mean, I can imagine as somebody who, you know, rented a P.O. box and just hoped for a few letters to, to, to know there are 5,000 people must have been remarkable. Going to Capcom is like all 5,000 of those people getting together in a hotel. Right. And exactly. hanging out. It's bananas. It's very, very busy. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I love and, it. And one more little thing, if I could add this, is regarding women. Uh, I just realized when I went to TeddyCon, last, the last TeddyCon, I think it was the last one, and I realized there were almost, it was almost 50-50, maybe not quite, but it seemed like there was as many women as men. And I said, I knew this was going to happen. Uh-huh, you were I right. I knew this would happen eventually. And I went to one class. They have little classes like Capcom, I guess, does. I'm not sure. And I went to a class, and I was sitting there, and I just turned around and looked around, and I said, my gosh, I'm in the minority here. Everybody, they're all women. Oh, isn't that something? What what a change from the early days, huh? Exactly. And it was just so interesting that you could just sort of see how this was growing and changing. And people were coming out of their shells and... Deciding to have fun. I just had a very, very, very dumb thought. Can I share it with both of you? Please. I'm so sorry. This is um, about the party in on Avenue A, which I just realized is in Alphabet City, and I cannot think of any better place to have a baby party oh, than in Alphabet City. Than the Alphabet City. And I know I'm not the first person to make that joke, but That's it just good. hit me really hard. <laughs> I had a hard time not saying it. I wish you could have been in the club. It was fun. Not very large. It was probably filled with NYU students. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it. Well, this has been such a pleasure again, and we had to do a part two because we knew we weren't done with part one, and sure enough... Here we are an hour later, and I still feel like we're not done, but yeah. we should call it. Um, Kent, thank you so much for walking us through your experience of the earlier days of ABDL. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, would you be open to that, and how might they do that? Well, they can reach me um, under Diapered Kent. It used to be called Daddy Kent, but now it's Diapered Kent. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> on Set Life. 
or I'll g- I could give you my address and you can come by and visit me here. Aww. Well, there you go. I'll tell you what, we'll take that off the air and certainly we'll take the up on it. Uh, That's the, just for us. Come by and pet the dolphins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The dolphins oh, or, yeah, the, the, or the porpoise. When I was yeah. young, they were all called porpoises and then they became dolphins. Oh, yeah. So that's why I was oh, stuttering and stammering at the other uh, podcast. What what the purpose of that was? Oh, that was the that was the worst dad joke <laughs> yeah, than the one I tried to joke. make. Yep. Um, well, this has been wonderful, uh, and I can't wait to to get to meet you in person sometime soon. In the meantime, if others would like to get in touch with us, uh, they can write to us by sending an email. At- Love and brief at gmail.com. Or they can send us a note on FetLife. Resident, yes. Or R&T, Road Not Taken. Yeah, if you, um, if you write to Road Not Taken, she won't write you back, though. But cause... I'll look at it and it'll be pretty. And I'll, I'll, <laughs> Cause she takes I'll enjoy it myself. You can also find us on Instagram. Resident, yes. And Tumblr. Resident, yes. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we have lots more fun to come through the fall and into the winter. We're just so grateful for you. And for those who got onto Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and actually rated us, uh, thank you for doing that. I check in periodically, and we have gotten a number of folks who have hit that five star button and said, "Boy, this podcast really matters to me." And some folks who even left um, comments and said, "Hey, everybody should check this out." And for what it's worth, the reason why that matters is because that actually helps other people find the podcast. So if it's something you've found value in and you want other folks to be able to find it, that's a pretty good way to do it. The other thing that's super helpful is if you just share it on your social media. I assume you have a kink-friendly social media outlet somewhere. Um, Share the podcast if you don't mind, if you found it helpful. And our entire goal with this thing is just to reach as many folks who could use that encouragement, that love, that reminder that your sexuality is too amazing to be ashamed of. And uh, keep it safe, sane, consensual, and then just eat your heart out with all the stuff that makes you happy. Um, So share that message. And, uh, and we'll also continue to, we're a little behind, but we're going to catch up on transcriptions. You can uh, see those at transcripts.loveandbrief.com. We're a couple of episodes back. My apologies to those who read the transcriptions, but, um, we are going to catch up on those. The summer has put us behind. I think that's it. RNT, anything else? Um, this has just been so much fun. I can't I feel like we're old buddies now? Yeah, for real. It's, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much. It's for been real. <laughs> such fun. Well, thank you. I can't imagine two two more wonderful people to talk to. Oh, uh, thanks. And geez, likewise, we're all blushing. Well, you're one here. person. You're not two people. I don't want to put that on you. But uh, <laughs> in, in the meantime, this has been another episode of Love in Brief.